It has been quite the NFL postseason, and we are now headed to the Super Bowl. And the Rams will be hosting the Super Bowl. Just wrapped up watching the NFC Championship game at SoFi Stadium. And another great one, um, a grudge match this conference championship Sunday was about physicality. It was about toughness. And the ones that played the more physical and tough football game, they are going to the Super Bowl. We got the Bengals coming to Los Angeles, the Rams playing on their home turf. And we got a lot of head coaching uh, vacancies that have now been filled since we last stopped in on the uh, on the recording software. And also Tom Brady might be hanging it up uh, at the age of 44. So we're going to talk about all of it. Welcome to the Monday Morning Podcast. Thanks so much for smashing the play button. Share with your friends uh, wherever you get your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Amazon. We are everywhere. Let's get to it. It is NFL football here on episode 73 of the podcast. It was fitting that Von Miller, the man that was acquired before the trade deadline uh, in OBJ, a couple big catches down the stretch, those two were the ones making plays for the Rams to advance to the to the Super Bowl. And, you know, when you put all your chips in the middle of the table, you can go home without any regrets, even if you lose. And the Rams, you know, it, it started off kind of shaky. Stafford was hit hard. He went down early. I thought, man, those couple of of tough blows, the one from the 49er, uh, 49er linebacker that was clearly illegal, another takedown by one of their D linemen. I thought, geez, that, that could have a residual effect, and, and maybe he's just not himself. Nope. You know, he, he, he rallied himself. The Rams rallied themselves down by uh, 10 points, and they go on and win the football game. Um, you know, two backbreaking penalties from the Niners, who I thought overall – Probably the more physical and tough football team. I think down the stretch, the Rams really upped the physicality and they made the the tough critical plays. And that was the difference maker. But for the majority of the football game, you know, the Niners, I mean, they were out muscling the Rams big time. And they had Higby go down. Um, and they also had uh, uh, Cam Akers go down. And you thought for a minute, man, you know, Stafford's getting beat up. This does not look good. And then they went down. Uh, 17 to, to 7. And I was like, man, the Rams need a jolt here. And, man, they answered, but they got a little help from the defensive back with the taunting penalty. And then uh, uh, Tart, you know, with the illegal penalty against Odell Beckham. And next thing you know, the, the Rams are back in it. Just just, just a testament to the team building, Les Snead, uh, and, and Sean McVay. I know he doesn't really pick the players, but the, the vision of him and – uh, what he values as far as winning on the offensive side of the ball, and, he, and even defense, because you know you can say what you want about him handing the keys to Wade Phillips when he got there. He's the one that also fired Wade Phillips, brought in Staley, and then Staley left, and then he brought in Raheem Morris. You know, McVay has some say in that. So a, a lot of credits go around. Second Super Bowl in three seasons for the Rams. Uh, they're going to be on their home turf at this one. And, and they just they played their best football down the stretch. Some of these moves, the Von Millers, the Odells, th- those moves are made for January. Not for immediate impact. You remember when Von and Odell, they played their first games. It was against the same 49ers. Didn't look so good. Got blown out in, uh, in Santa Clara. 
And now, toughest game, most critical stretch of the game, Cooper Cup. I mean, if that is not a testament to reliability at the receiver position, you talk about like speed on the outside or uh, toughness over the middle. It's about reliability. Being in the spot where the quarterback thinks you're going to be at the most critical moments. Cooper Cup epitomizes that. Matthew Stafford on third down with three minutes to go. Who was he looking for? It was number 10 in blue. And the guy with the triple crown this year makes the biggest catch of the game to get the Rams in field goal position. And Matt Gay splits the upright. So just... You know, it's all come to fruition for the Rams. You know, it was a topsy-turvy kind of a season. Uh, they started off hot, beat the Buccaneers. They went, Then they went into a rut, uh, acquired these players, weren't catching fire out of the gate. But then, uh, after the, the critical loss in the final week to these same 49ers, turned it on in the playoffs, playing their best football. So we will see how they stack up against the... Uh, the Joe Burrow Bengals, um, that game was quite something itself. So let's get to that one, the AFC title game at Arrowhead. I'll begin by saying the Bengals deserve full credit. I did not think they would be able to use it like they did, but that end of half uh, turnover on downs, essentially with the clock, clock ran out uh, for the Kansas City Chiefs. They went for it with five seconds left, could have had... An automatic three points, went for it all. Patrick Mahomes finds Tyreek, not in the end zone, uh, foolishly, uh, and they come away. At the time, I was okay with the call because Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs offense, they were finding the red zone every trip that they had possession of the football. I was okay leaving three points out there. I thought the Bengals were dead in the water. And I know, like, Boomer Sison and some folks were, you know, uh, not on board with with the going for it on fourth down, just you know wanting to kick the field goal. I thought you know the Bengals, you're not giving them momentum going in the halftime. Like they did not play a good half of football. The scoreboard says 21 uh, to 10, 11 point lead, but I mean that that was a dominant first half by them. And then it turned out that Cincinnati did ride the momentum. They did get juiced from that stop. I, if I was that Cincinnati Bengals team, I would think after watching Mahomes and company go down each drive, score a touchdown, that, yeah, we don't have a shot today. But the Bengals, they just continue to have this, this you know, we don't, we're, we're not even uh, counted on to be here. Moxie and confidence and Burrow is a big part of that. And you just got to think, man, they could ride this all the way to a title. I, I thought it might be special at the beginning of the playoffs. I was too big of a coward to pick them against uh, uh, against the uh, last week against the Titans and and even this week against the Chiefs. But you know, heading into the next two weeks, I'm gonna have to think long and hard about the Bengals not being Super Bowl champions because th- this is a very real thing. Confidence. There's always a team with huge confidence and, and swagger heading into it. These Bengals, though, it's that different type of confidence because th- they realize. No one's betting on us. We weren't supposed to be here. And it's full of we guys, not me guys. You, you don't hear of anybody tweeting out this or, or, or you know, showing up in this outfit and, you know, stealing the spotlight. It's all cohesion. And, you know, I know their tight end went down. He's probably not going to be available for the Super Bowl. But it's just an ultimate choke job. 
from the Kansas City Chiefs. There's no other way to put it. They shrunk and went into their shell after Cincinnati made it a ball game. Patrick Mahomes. I mean, where was the pocket awareness the entire ball game? This guy is so unconcerned putting his back to the defense anytime he felt any sort of pressure. That like that's a complete no-no. Any quarterback coach will say you never put your back to the defense. You always climb the pocket, find your lanes to deliver the ball downfield. This guy is turning the other way, trying to go deeper from the line of scrimmage and then go up and make a play. And you know what? There was a couple times he made a couple phenomenal throws. He's a good athlete. He's got great arm talent. But then there's other plays where it's you backed your, your field goal team up, you backed your offense up another 12 yards because of that stupid play. It's carelessness. It's it's thinking your your, your athleticism is going to bail you out. And against the Bengals, a team that, again, maybe not the most talented to begin the playoff, but even they show that if you pull that bullshit, it's going to come back to bite you. Patrick Mahomes had, had arguably his worst game as a pro today. That Super Bowl against the 49ers, I thought that was pretty bad, and he still took home MVP. It made me think, damn, this guy is really good if his worst game is MVP of the Super Bowl. I think this one takes it. This was his worst game. The offense, they they went into their shell. They played nervous. They played tight. And the Bengals, they it's all because of that three-point play, which, again, I was on board with. But it just goes to show, sometimes with a squad, the momentum, the confidence, uh, they, they realize that they really have nothing to lose. They are riding that high right now. And the Bengals' defensive secondary probably not getting the credit it uh, deserves with Von Bell, Jesse Bates, and that safety tandem. And then, of course, Awuze, uh, Chidobe Awuze. I know he used to play for the Cowboys, have trouble saying his name. Uh, and Eli Apple. You know, they're, they're pretty doggone good, all, along with that front four that got pressure in the second half. But... No other way to slice it. The Chiefs, you know, up big, 21-3, allowed the comeback, and then they they just they acted like they weren't the team that's been to the last four AFC title games. You would think that, you know, they, they would come out with a, a dialed-in approach after that happened. Nope. Nope. They, they, it looked like, you know, a, a Jets moment, a Jaguars moment, a New York Giants moment. I, I, I was shocked. And not many things shocked me when watching. That was something that I did not think I would see from a team loaded with guys that have played in big-time playoff games and Super Bowl games. And here we go. We got the Bengals and the Rams. And if it's anything like the entirety of the NFL playoffs, we are in for an absolute smashing success of a Super Bowl game. I remember when Schefter broke the news in, in 2019. It was a... Uh, NFL preseason Saturday, um, was not doing much. I I was on my couch, uh, watching, uh, baseball and tuning into the the NFL preseason to see the rookies and Schefter had tweeted out that Andrew Luck was going to retire. And I, I, it was before I got the notification on my phone, I was actually scrolling through my timeline and it's one of those moments where you do a double take and you remember where you were. And that's what I thought I had this past Saturday. I was at Trader Joe's doing grocery shopping, and I looked at my phone, and ESPN reports Tom Brady is retiring. Now, Schefter's doubled down. He was on NFL Live today, and he says, 
that this will be a retirement ultimately. Um, and TB12 certainly sounds like he's done uh, the most storied career in NFL history. Um, but but it is strange that he, uh, the most tight-lipped, hushed guy, he came from the structure of New England who was so good about not letting things get out that he let his retirement get out to reporters. Uh, and even his own um, company, TB12, the, the method and, and the place in Foxborough, uh, they they tweeted it out for him, and then they later del- deleted that that post. So it, it's very strange that this is how it's going to go out for him. I'm sure he did not want to steal the show from the conference uh, title games on Sunday, and he's never spoken like he has in the past week. Where after the game, he says he's going to mull it over, give it some serious thought about how it's not just his decision; it's also his family's. And then on the Let's Go podcast with Jim Gray and Larry Fitz. When he was asked about describing his career, he used the word satisfied. It's like, whoa, satisfied. This is the guy who's always talking about how much he has to prove still and how he still just has the the fierce um, drive and desire to play. It, it definitely sounds like he's done. And, you know, I do think when you hear that the Bengals are making the, the Super Bowl and Matthew Stafford's making the Super Bowl. These fresh faces, fresh names, it is cool to see. I do think, while it is good for ratings and good for the league, when Mahomes face off with Brady and Brady and Manning and Roethlisberger and Rodgers and all these guys are are in the Super Bowl game, it's great for ratings, but it's also fun to see something new. And that's what we got now. Um, so if Brady ultimately does move on, I mean, there's, there's nothing left for him to accomplish. It definitely sounds like this is in line with what he ultimately wanted, a drama-free retirement, not the type that really wants to go on, on tour like you saw with baseball with Jeter and Big Poppy Ortiz. I don't think he wants that. So him saying, I want to play till age 45 and then retiring a year early, maybe that was always in the cards for him. And, you know, it was a trying season. From what we're picking up on now in Tampa Bay, there was all sorts of drama behind the scenes, which kind of makes sense. You know, we we thought that they might be able to repeat because they were bringing back all 22 starters. Well, some guys lose an edge. Some guys don't stay late in the film room. Some guys aren't out on the bags after practice. They're not running routes after uh, Bruce Arians breaks it down. The focus isn't there, and... It sounds like maybe it was a more challenging season for the Buccaneers than we gave it credit to. And Tom probably has had enough. Um, and, you know, there's really nothing more to accomplish out there. Seven Super Bowls, 22 seasons, all-time passing leader and touchdown leader. Hell of a career. Thanks for it all, Tom Brady. Definitely want to touch on the head coaching hires that have happened since we were last uh, last recording here. Uh, the Raiders just plucked McDaniels, Josh McDaniels, from New England. That happened earlier today. Mark Davis, uh, two teams that he hates, the Chiefs, the Niners. He <laughs> decides to raid on their parade by announcing his new general manager. It's going to be Dave Ziegler from New England and Josh McDaniels also from New England. I, f- I find it comical that people think Josh McDaniels cannot coach because he failed in Denver and then he went to the Rams in, in 2012, didn't have a great offense. It's like, you know, he, he also developed 
an offense with two quarterbacks, Tom Brady, uh, Mac Jones, and then one that also couldn't throw, Cam Newton, and somehow managed to score points. He's coached in nine different Super Bowls. He's coached under the greatest coach ever for thir- no 18 seasons, 13 as a coordinator. Like the, the guy can coach. The guy knows offense. He's been around a lot of great players, a lot of different coaches, and the best head coach ever. I think he can offer something. And when you say that someone like Mark Davis, who just gives you the keys, walks away, doesn't speak to the media, lets you run the program. It's not the executives like the Giants, who we'll get into in a minute. They're not going to have their executive running the roster. It's really going to be the executive being a servant to the head coach. Like This is you know perfect for Josh McDaniels. I think this is going to be a success. He's going to really elevate uh, Derek Carr. If he keeps Derek Carr, you know, I don't know. Maybe he's got more in line um, and, you know, thinks he can get better on the quarterback market, whether it's trade or draft pick. But, you know, for the next year, I think he's really going to go all in with this. And I, I would be shocked if he didn't elevate Derek Carr. And he's been playing at a pretty doggone good level. But just from an offense standpoint, Josh McDaniels over what, you know, he ended with in the season, Rich Bisaccia and, uh, and downing as his OC, Derek Carr is definitely upgrading with Josh McDaniels. And then the New York Giants, they get Brian Dayball, definitely another guy who I think has put in his time. This is more of a classic hire, a guy who's been around NFL football for a long time. He's been around college football for a long time. He's on Nick Saban's staff. He was on Eric Mangini's staff with the Jets. Uh, he was also on Belichick's staff. Also, uh, obviously over there in Buffalo and down Miami, he, he's been around a lot of different places. You know, you're not hiring Joe Judge who was, um, you know, in the NFL for a few years and wasn't even a coordinator. Like this guy's called plays. So if you want someone to come in and fix Daniel Jones and see if he can be elevated and, and be a guy that maybe you hand a contract extension to, Brian Dayball is the guy. And Joe Sheen, obviously he's on board with it because he was also in Buffalo now, did he choose him? I don't know. Because I think it's pretty clear with, you know, John Mara, you know, he, he makes a lot of football decisions. And he wants to have a huge say in who the head coach is going to be because the New York Giants are this brand where, you know, they like to wear suit and ties and they like to be gentlemen. And, yeah, I mean, you know, they're, they're just very old school. It's, it's, it's like Frank Gifford's still the quarterback and it's still the 1950s because that's how the Mars did business back then because they're the only ones who have owned the team. And that's okay. You know, it's Mars' team. He can choose the head coach. But, you know, Joe Sheen probably likes Brian Dayball. But let's not act like maybe he handpicked him exactly. He's probably on board with it, but it wasn't exactly his choice. Uh, the head-scratcher of them all is the Chicago Bears. Matt Eberflus? Like, what? The guy whose defense hasn't been in the top 10? Like, I, I know he's been top 10 uh, in rushing, what it really hasn't been that good. Like they, they play one cover two, Tampa two defense. They're not all that dynamic. And look, it's fun to see a Mizzou guy. He was there in the heyday with Chase Daniel and Jeremy Macklin and that gang uh, as the defensive coordinator. But I, I just don't see this as the right man for the job. And, you know, a big part of this is, you know, okay, who can you get as offensive coordinator? So, if he went into those meetings with the McCaskies and even with Ryan Poles and he said, well, I can get this guy as OC, maybe it is, you know, the right hire then. But, you know, I don't know the connections 
with Matt Eberflus to think that, you know, he's got someone, you know, in his back pocket that's going to coordinate this offense. Because, you know, Justin Fields, like I said, he, he's got that Lamar Jackson style to him. He's not as good as him, but the way he runs, the way the offense is going to have to be, it's going to have to be more like that. So I, I'm not exactly sold on this one. Uh, the Minnesota Vikings, they got an interview into Harbaugh. I thought that would have been better for the Bears. But who knows? Harbaugh might just be trying to, to fleece Michigan into, into more money here. But uh, those are the coaching vacancies. And, well, you know, we'll see where the Vikings go uh, along with the Dolphins. Now, the other one here is Nathaniel Hackett. And I save that for obvious reasons. He was the OC of the Green Bay Packers. Aaron Rodgers and him, very tight. And now... The, the, the rumors are, are swirling. Is he going to be a Denver Bronco? And, you know, the odds, you know, are, 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 are pretty good. I mean, based off how Aaron Rodgers has talked, you know, one minute he's saying this, another minute he's saying that. He, he's a guy who he'll keep the public and the media updated. And I think there's a good chance that he, he's out there in, in Denver. And people say, well, why would he go to the to the division of, of Patrick Mahomes and, and Justin Herbert? Well, because... That's where he wants to be. <laughs> you know, he, he wants to have a say in things, and he's a West Coast guy. It's as simple as that. Like, he, he's not really into this whole chasing Super Bowls. I think he's competitive. I think he's into winning Super Bowls, but he's not, you know, he's not Tom Brady looking to stack titles. He, he's not uh, the quarterback who, who hasn't won one and is looking for his last shot to really get it. He, he just he wants to be happy. And Green Bay seems like it's kind of uh, run its course there. When he left the field, um, you know, he, he wasn't exactly giving a, a farewell goodbye and standing out there and lingering, but he he's looked like a guy who he didn't really care if he, he didn't seem to need that, that long goodbye and that farewell to the fans. And, and he's a guy that, I mean, he, he held out for a reason last year. I have a hard time believing in a year here with Brian Gutkiss during the season he talks about the growth with the relationship. I, I have a hard time believing it's really all that different. Because you know what? In an NFL locker room as a quarterback during the season, you're lifting weights, you're grinding tape, you're with your coaching staff. You're not with the general manager. Yeah, maybe it's a little more amicable. Maybe they say hi to each other in the hallways a little bit more. Maybe it's uh, a little bit deeper conversation. Hey, how, how are your kids? Hey, how's this doing? Nah, but I mean... Is it really all that much different? No, you still pick the players. You still play quarterback. You still drafted that guy in the first round named Jordan Love. I'm out of here. I mean, he doesn't seem like the loyal guy that just wants to play for one franchise. Definitely could see him wanting to take on a new challenge, wanting to go elsewhere where his voice means a little bit more. A franchise that's a little thirsty for playoff contention, like the Denver Broncos, who have been out of it for six years. I got the prediction that he, he's going to be a Denver Bronco, especially when you consider Dan Quinn. The rumor mill was saying that he was supposed to be the Broncos' next head coach. Then at the 11th hour, you get a press conference for Nathaniel Hackett. Sounds like George Patton said, well, if we want to make a run at this trade with Aaron Rodgers, we got to hire this guy to make him happy. I don't know how you see it any other way. I'm not saying it's a done deal by any means, but reading the tea leaves from the past year, how things change so quickly with what he says on the Pat McAfee show, I definitely think at this point in time, as it stands here 
heading into February that Aaron Rodgers is going to be a Denver Bronco come September. Appreciate everybody listening. Remember to subscribe, review, share with your friends, your family. Again, Spotify, Apple, everywhere, wherever you get your podcasts. At Pete4C on social media. We live tweet all the games. I give out my picks on who I think is going to win the game. Uh, Did okay this week. Uh, Definitely think I'm going to nail the Super Bowl. I saved my best for last, and that's going to be a doozy. Bengals, Rams, momentum versus all-in approach. From a team building standpoint with LA, uh, home field advantage, can't wait. I can't believe we got to wait two weeks in between that. Pro Bowl, I'm not even going to touch on that. If you watch that, um, I, I don't know, find something better to do with your time. But uh, appreciate you listening to the podcast. Again, we will see you uh, here down the road. Uh, we got more coaching vacancies, general manager vacancies to touch on. So keep an eye out for the next pod. Thanks so much for tuning in.